She gave all that she had, and we learned this valuable lesson that everything we have is actually God's. That all the things that we think we own is actually are actually on loan. That everything belongs to God. And we learned that principle as a foundational financial principle so that we are managers, not owners of God's resources. And then we looked at some truths, some sayings of Jesus, where Jesus said these words. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That there's something that we can do to use our worldly wealth for eternal gain. And we learned that week that we didn't want to live for the dot. We also want to live for the here and now, our bills, our, our stuff for right now. We want to live for the line. We want to live for eternity. We want to somehow use our worldly wealth to store up treasures in heaven. Then we looked at that great phrase that Jesus said, it's more blessed than it is to give than it is to receive. It's more blessed. It's more fun. It's more fulfilling to give. As a response to the sacrifice that Jesus made, we give generously. We give freely to the needs of others. And then last week, we tried to answer the question, how much do we give? We know that it's fun. We know it's more blessed. How much? We didn't give necessarily an answer to how much. We just saw this principle that we give first. Right off the top, a standard is about 10% of your income. But don't just stop there. Just give any percentage of your income back to God. The first thing that you do. And then you save, and then you live on the rest. We've been learning these principles because those are the things that are helpful for us to live at peace with the Benjamins, to live at peace financially, particularly in some difficult financial times. And this morning, people, we're going we're to look at a question that some people have been asking me. They're saying, Chad, I know that it's good to give. I know that it's biblical. I know that it's fun to give. But what happens when we give? What are the results of our giving. I think that's a great question. You know, last week we had, we spent a little bit of time talking about the freedom and joy that we experience when we give. But this week we want to look at what is the impact of our generosity? What happens to those that receive our gifts? What are the results of our giving? When we raise money to, to, to bring food to people in Haiti, what are the results? Well, when we run half marathons in order to raise money to have a well in Africa, what are the results of our giving to, to Sudan or Congo? What are the results of our giving? And, they, and to answer that question, I'd love for you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, page 1147 in your pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, are, are, and chapter 8 and 9 are just this wonderful paragraphs, two wonderful chapters about giving, specifically answering the question, what happens when we give? And as you turn there, I just want to set the context for these two powerful passages, two powerful chapters. It was around AD 55, right? So Jesus was already died, died and was ra raised again about 20 years ago before. And now Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And during this time, the, the movement of Jesus is just getting started, right? People are believing in Christ as the, for their salvation. They're trusting in Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And the church is growing. And the Jewish leaders at that time, as well as the Roman leaders, didn't like that happening. So there was this severe persecution that was going around the, the Roman world, particularly in the city of Jerusalem. That the Christians there, the Christ followers, they, they couldn't work. That They weren't allowed in the guilds. They couldn't provide for their children. There was this tremendous suffering that was happening in the lives of Christians in living in Jerusalem. So this man named Paul, formerly named Saul, uh, instead of, he was, he was at first persecuting the church, then he comes to faith in Christ. 
And the context for, for 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is this man named Paul, who now is going out to spread the message of Jesus. Salvation in Christ alone, not by works, but by grace. And he's so excited about his faith that he goes back to Jerusalem. And instead of going to, to look for letters to persecute the church, he goes to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. And he says to them, I know that the Messiah Jesus is not just a, a Jewish Messiah. He's the Messiah for the whole world. And I want to go and spread the message of Jesus to everyone. I want to go to all these Gentile cities and share the message of Christ. And the Jewish leaders at that time says, you know, Paul, we're excited about your faith in Christ. We want you to go and plant churches all over the world. But we want you to remember just one thing, Paul, as you go and plant and share the message of Jesus. And here's the one thing. We don't want you to forget about us. Those of us that are here in Jerusalem suffering because we can't get jobs. We can't provide for our children. We're being martyred. We're being killed for our faith. Don't forget us because we are really in a difficult time here in Jerusalem. Paul says, don't worry about that. I'm not going to forget you. In fact, I'm going to go from city to city to city. And I'm going to share the message of Christ. And I'm going to somehow share in such a way that people connect their faith in Christ to living lives of generosity. I'm going to go to these different Gentile cities and share the message that Jesus died for our sins. And I'm going to help them grow and live out, live in a way worthy of this gospel of grace, this gospel message. So that's what Paul does. You know, he goes from these different city cities. But before we, we, we look at what he did, we just got to pause for a second and say, you know what, that is a pretty tall order if you think about it, Right. This, this Jewish man going into these Gentile cities and, and describing to them a God that they've never heard of. And, and, and going to people that he's never met. And then inviting them to give money to people that they don't even know. I mean, this is a big deal that Paul is setting out to do. I mean, this is a tall order that Paul is doing. He, he's going to people that he's never met. Describing a Messiah that they've never heard of and then asking them to give money to people that they've never met, those that are suffering in Jerusalem. This is a big deal. This is a tall order. I mean, historically speaking, this just didn't happen. You know, in the first century, people didn't give from one culture to another culture. Nations would give loans from one nation to another nation. You know, Rome had a good tax system. Nation would tax other people. But this may be the first place where there is a sign of cross-cultural generosity. Where one group of people from the Gentile world are giving sacrificially and cheerfully to another group of people. This may be the first historical place in this passage, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we see cross-cultural generosity. And that's what Paul does. This is a big deal. He goes from city to city, from Ephesus to Galatia to Corinth to all these places. He shares the message of Christ and then he builds people up. He teaches them to live a life worthy of the gospel and he invites them specifically to give financial resources to those that are suffering in Jerusalem. And as we read this passage, there's some great principles and a great answer to the question what happens when we give? What are the results of our giving? And in Second Corinthians chapter 9, we pick up this letter that Paul writes to the Corinthians. And he begins, we're going to begin in verse 6, where Paul gives us a financial principle. Chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Remember this. 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Paul's just reminding them of this great life principle that what goes around comes around. You reap what you sow. So if you sow financial challenges, if you sow financial difficulties, that's what you're going to reap. You're going to reap challenges. If you sow sparingly, you're also going to reap sparingly. You reap what you sow. So Paul says, don't be greedy. Give to others and you will reap a blessing. And what will that blessing be? What will you reap? What are the results of your generosity? Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. But Paul continues and he says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. I just love that, that phrase. Each man, each person should give what they've decided, what they've thought through, what they've planned out, what they've prayed over, what they think they should give in their hearts and in their minds. This isn't an impulsive gift. This isn't a guilt trip. This is someone that has thought. And Paul even wrote letters ahead of time to prepare people to give. And so Paul writes, he says, each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, this doesn't mean that God doesn't love a reluctant giver. God loves everyone. God is love. But, God, but Paul's just simply saying, God loves it when we give. God loves it when we respond to other people's needs with generosity. He loves it when we are like him and giving generously to others. Because remember, God does not need our resources. God does not need us to give. He doesn't need our money. He just doesn't want our money to get us. And he wants our hearts to be free from ourselves and free to give generously to others. It's all about our hearts. Learning to give cheerfully, not under compulsion or reluctantly. And then in verse 8, God, this is this, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Anybody pick up on that word, all? It's repeated about five times in this short couple of verses. God is able to make all all things at all times, all people see everyone can participate in the grace of giving. All of us can. God doesn't want to leave anybody out. All of us can abound in this grace of giving. All of us can experience the joy of giving. Why? Verse 10. Now, he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and then enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Why can we all participate in giving? Because God supplies our needs. God gives us more than we need. God gives us this overwhelming increase of, of store in our seed and, and enlarge our harvest. He gives us everything we need. He gives us homes to sleep and not just a one bedroom home. He gives us two stories home. He gives us cars to drive. He gives us clothes to wear. He gives us everything that we need. And then I love how it says this in verse 11. It says, you will be made rich. You will be made rich. 
You will have everything that you need. I mean, you know this, that we are rich. We are, we are in the upper 9% of the world's population, maybe even the history of the world. We have cars, we have homes, we have clothes, we have things that we need. But why do we have all these things? Why did God give us so much? Well, it says this, verse 11, you will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be, what's that word there? Generous. So that you can be generous on every occasion. See, God wants to make you generous. The reason why you have your car, the reason why you have your home, the reason why you have your clothes and your shoes, and not just for yourself, is so that you can be generous. That's God's will for your life. I know sometimes it's hard for us to discern God's will for our lives. You know, we think about this job or this boyfriend or this girlfriend or this car or this, or this house or, or, or what God specifically wants us to do. Sometimes that's hard to do. Well, God makes it really clear right here. He says, I want you to be generous. I'm providing for you these needs, these homes, these cars, this job, this, this financial resources, so that in order that, because so that you can be generous. It's not just some of the time. It's in every occasion. In every occasion, you can be generous. That's God's plan for us. God wants to build a generous church. He wants us to live out this blessing of being, this reality of being a blessing to others. God gives us this storehouse. He gives us more than enough so that we can give to the needs of others. And I, I don't tell you this, this, I don't read this passage this morning to, because I think that we are ungenerous or that we're less than generous. I, I don't read this passage this morning because we're greedy here as a church. I think most of us here this morning are very generous. I think most of us here have a generous heart. We've experienced the joy of giving. I mean, over the last few months, we've been giving generously. It was just a couple of weeks ago where we collected $4,000 to send this shipment of food to Haiti. You know, and another $20,000 online. Uh, we also collected 1,200 pairs of shoes, if you remember that day. We collected 1,200 pairs of shoes for the poor and the needy in Africa and other parts of the world. We gave $18,000 to Sudan to help build a church in Africa and another five in Kenya. I mean, we are a generous group. We, we, we raised over $10,000 for a well in Africa. I don't tell you these things because I think that we're not generous. I tell you these things to remind us of the results of our giving. To answer the question, what happens when we give? When we give out of our abundance, when we give sacrificially, when we give generously, what happens to those that receive the gifts that we give? Well, here's what it says, 11b, it says this, and that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That through us, your generosity will result in in thanksgiving to God, people will thank God. People will worship God. People will grow closer to God as a result of our generosity, as a result of our giving, as a result of our willingness to sacrifice for the sake of others. People will pause and thank God. And it isn't just a little thanks at the dinner table. These are In verse 12, we read this. This service that you perform... It's not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It's multiple expressions. It's, it's dancing, it's singing, it's this overwhelming, overjoyous, many expressions, overflowing expressions of thanksgiving to God. 
And then it goes on to say in, in verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God. They won't just thank God, they'll fall to their knees and they'll worship him. They'll bow down and thank and worship and praise God. As a result of our giving, as a result of our generosity, people will praise God. And in verse 14, it says this, And their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. So they're going to pray for you. As you give, people who receive that gift, they're going to thank God, they're going to praise God, and they're going to pray for you. They pray God's blessing over you and their hearts are going to be connected to you in a very profound and supernatural way as a result of giving, as a result of our generous giving. This this is what happens when we give. People thank God and not just a little bit. There are multiple expressions of thanksgiving to God. As a result of giving, people Praise God. Men stand up. They kneel down. They express their their worship and adoration of God. As a result of our giving, people pray for us. They thank God for us and and they align our hearts with us and we're connected with them as they praise God and pray for us. Our hearts are connected all because of giving. Our giving results in thanksgiving to God, in worship of God. See, that's what happens when we give. And although it's wonderful and, and amazing to read this in the, old, in, in the, in the New Testament, to, to read about this cross-cultural generosity that happened back then and there, and the results of the giving that happened, this praise and worship and thanksgiving and, and prayer, it's wonderful to see that in the scriptures. But my question is, does that happen today? Is that what happens when we give? Do we experience this type of reality? What are the results of our gifts? And in order to answer that question, I asked Kurt Peterson to join us. Now, Kurt is the director of missions for the Covenant Denomination. And and he's been traveling throughout Africa. In fact, he's been to some of the places where we gave. And I asked him to come up here this, this, this morning all the way from uh, Chicago flew in this this morning just to talk to us to give us an understanding of, of of what's happening in Africa as a result of our generosity. So please join me in welcoming Kurt to the stage. So Kurt, thanks for coming up all the way from the Windy City. Glad that you're with us this morning. Oh, great to be here in warmer. Minnesota. Yeah, it's. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if that's quite the case, but uh, yeah. so you've been able to travel throughout Africa, and you've been to the Sudan and, and to Congo and to Kenya, some of these places that we've been giving to. And I would just love to hear just a little bit about what's happening. What what, what are their needs? We'll, we'll we'll start in in uh, Congo. Tell us what's going on there. Well, let me let me just say I, I caught a phrase that you used just a few minutes ago that just captured I think what uh, I'm all about and what we are about together is and that is connecting faith in Christ with lives of generosity and mission because that's that's the link that's so important and I see that in Congo it was 75 years ago that God put Congo the Democratic Republic of Congo into the heart of the Covenant Church. Since that time, we've sent missionaries. We've been involved in that in that setting, and that church has uh, experienced uh, an awakening that that's it's amazing. Uh, 
And uh, today there are uh, over 1,500 covenant churches in Congo, uh, in among the poorest countries of the world, uh, listed among the three poorest countries of the world. We work in the poorest part of that country, and we're really the only uh, community uh, from the U.S. that's working actively there alongside the Free Church. And there are... Uh, 65,000 students in schools, uh, five hospitals, 93 medical clinics, and uh, pastors growing and reaching out in their faith, uh, going from village to village, even through the most difficult time of war, the 10 years in which 5 million people died in Congo, the church planted 200 churches. Uh, and during that time, uh, raised up more and more people to go out and share the good news. And there was a specific need in Congo related to Bibles. Can you tell us a little bit about that? When I was in Congo a year ago now, the leader of the theological education department said to me, uh, we have three Bible schools, we have a seminary, and now starting a university. We have 270 students right now in our Bible schools. And because of the poverty, because of the difficulties during the war and how so many things were lost... Uh, these students are struggling to just get here to school, and we've discovered that most of them don't even have a complete Bible. And so they, he said, um, for $10, we can provide a Lingala Bible, and it is so important that that is part of their education, obviously. If they're going to preach and they're going to teach and they're going to grow in their faith, and this is a community that the average income is less than $10 a month. And then they have their gardens uh, in which to resource their lives. But that limits them from being able to make even an investment of $10 in a Bible. And so when uh, I was told that, and then I heard that there might be an opportunity for uh, your church to become part of linking faith and action, uh, I said, that's a place where we can give 270 Bibles and make a difference in these lives. And so we're looking at some of these images that the, the Bible students are receiving those Bibles and they're opening it up. And what are the results of, of now of this gift? Well, the, the distribution is beginning now. There's a new semester and some of these uh, students are opening up their new Bibles. Uh, their joy. I was just with them uh, in October uh, in uh, the seminary community, and I was so impressed by the diligence of study. When anyone spoke, they were in their scriptures, they were writing down notes, they were trying to grow so that they could pass on to others. So that their joy and their tears, just saying, uh, you know, holding a new Bible, and for them, that was the, the, the beginning of deeper growth in their life. And so their thanks, not only to you, but to thanks to God, that they could grow in their faith and fulfill the calling that God has given in their life. And then tell us a little about Kenya. What, what's going on in Kenya as, as uh, you've been able to Kenya, travel there? Kenya is a church, uh, the Covenant Church of Kenya began about uh, 12 years ago. This community was the result of students coming from Nairobi to study in St. Louis, got connected to Covenant churches, and that led to planting of new churches in Kenya that became then Covenant churches. It's a small, it's a young denomination, 13 churches, and uh, they're all bivocational pastors. 
But they need to grow deeper in their understanding of the word, understanding of what leadership is today, and how to guide their churches. And so uh, they um, are a, a community that uh, needs pastoral training, that needs leadership training. And so some of the results of that, they're, they're being trained and... and uh... Going out and planning more, or was that the plan? What's happening is uh, pastors like yourself uh, around the covenant have come to do seminars and workshops. We've helped to uh, send some of those students to other workshops and seminaries. Uh, We're looking to the future of being able to provide uh, more theological education. But the resource that you sent, the $5,000, is providing the link helping these uh, pastors gather together for seminars, providing the transportation. It helps the leader get there uh, from their home to these different churches to encourage them in their faith. And they are beginning, this last year planted two more churches, uh, primarily in Muslim communities uh, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the east side of, um, of Kenya. Well, that is just fantastic to hear, in, in both in Congo and in Kenya. And then in Sudan, there's been a, a, just a wonderful work going on there. Tell us a bit about that. Uh, I put this picture here because it just represents for me the light of God is coming into a place of shadows and darkness. This is a place that has suffered so for so many years as well, 20 years of war, years in which people had to flee for months into Ethiopia for to get into safety and refugee camps. And it was during that time that the refugee immigrants coming to the United States were embraced in this community in Minnesota, uh, in South Dakota, and in Iowa, a part of Covenant Churches, began to grow in their faith and reached out also back to uh, Sudan into uh, the Ethiopian refugee camps. And in those communities, 300 churches were born in different tribal groups, in different family groups. And since 2005, uh, there has been a peace agreement uh, with the north, uh, the Khartoum portion, the north part of Sudan, with the south Sudan. And people have been able to go back to their villages going back as, um, as, as wanderers back into their villages that have been stripped and burned and now uh, need to be reestablished. But they're going as people of faith, and there are over 20,000 believers now in the uh, Covenant Church of South Sudan. In those, in, if you go into the next picture there, this is the, uh, Abraham, who is the president of the Covenant Church in Sudan. He was here over the annual meeting time in June. He was able to come. And the next picture is of uh, James Tang, who is uh, one of those refugees who came, who then went on to North Park Seminary, who was ordained a covenant pastor, served in Fridley, Minnesota, and now has gone back to Sudan as a missionary to Sudan. In that community, they have uh, grown uh, again in, in establishing a center and a presence Uh, We helped them with a ministry center, but they had no place in which to live. So we had to help rent spaces for the leaders of the denomination. There were seven leaders. They left families to gather together so they could be effective in supporting and encouraging the work of Christ throughout South Sudan. But they had this space that, that was rented and was very expensive, 
because of the economy uh, at, at that time. So we wanted to help build a space for them to live in. So we got a beginning on this space, and other churches helped with uh, land and with framing and with a roof, but we didn't have resources to finish the building. And that's where then last in July, I was sitting here in, in Minneapolis with James and Abraham and the w- director of women ministries for a day. And we were talking through ministries that were going to go on in Sudan. And we prayed for about an hour about this space, about completing this property and being able to move from a wandering people into a settled people out of which God was going to do a mighty thing. And so the next day after that prayer time, the next day we received a call in our offices, Don Engerbretson received a call and said, we have some resource. Is there a need? And I said, we need $18,000 to finish this building. And you gave that generously. Just this last month now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, this building was completed. You see, or this, you see it here. I'm seeing it there. Uh, the 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 paint, the walls were completed. The floor was completed. The painting, uh, and people moved into this building. They had a dedication service. They invited the whole community, all the all, all other churches and other community leaders gathered together. And I just talked to James Tang this morning. He said there was such joy that filled their lives because of this completion. But it was also a witness to God's grace and God's giving. Uh, They said in that dedication, they said, Maple Grove Covenant Church, in this time in which in the U.S. there's difficulties in the economy, they've given generously to make possible what we couldn't provide for ourselves. And, And they said, we know that that gift has come. That gift has come with the love of Christ. This isn't just about money. This is about the extension of the love of Christ that's come from another body. And for us, it is a sign of hope. It's a sign that there's a future. It's a sign that there is that we're not forgotten. And that there is a beginning of or a, a, a base from which we can now continue to do this ministry. And uh, I want to express on behalf of them thanksgiving to God. And praise to God for the faithfulness of God's people. And express to you also, these are people who are sacrificial and dedicated. They're going to use that space, as in these pictures, uh, to plant churches. They're going to reach out. World Relief money has been used to help in some of the famine areas of, of Sudan in the last couple of months. So planting of churches, helping in relief and development, and having a place in which they could be settled out of which God is going to do a mighty thing. It's a powerful witness of the text that you've just been reading, and I want to give thanks to God together with you. So these are the results of generosity. We see some, some young people singing songs of praise, songs of, uh, of thanksgiving. And one of the things that Kurt mentioned is that when you're, when you're living in oppression, when you're, when you're living in poverty, and someone remembers you, mm-hmm. and someone gives to you knowing that you're, 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 you're suffering, something happens inside of them. Could you just explain that a little bit more as, as uh, you were there and you saw that happen? 
when we were in Congo recently, um, that whole issue was raised. What does this trip mean? What does it mean for us to come and, and be there? And also to, to make a, a generous kinds of contributions for needs. And, and people said, when, when people who care show up, hope shows up for us. It, it is a, a sign that Jesus is working and active for them. And, and we don't quite understand it at the depth that, that people who suffer daily. These, these, are, these are people whose uh, you know, children are, are dying of preventable diseases. Malaria, congestion, uh, or respiratory illnesses. And to have someone notice and to someone bring a, a sense that there is peace in their land, that there are people who care, and that there's God's presence and, and resource is going to be there for them. It brings them new courage and new energy uh, to go forward and continue to do what God has called them to. And, and you mentioned that they, that, that they know our name, that, that they know Maple Grove Covenant Church. They do know your name because we've told them this is where the resource comes from. We make the need known. We connect people's faith with an opportunity. And... Uh, and so to name both in Sudan and, and in Congo uh, that Maple Grove was part of this uh, kind of put, them, put you on their map for prayer. Uh, and I remember uh, in, in Congo in this recent trip of, 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 the, of the leaders of the church gathering together and naming Maple Grove and said, thank you for these people that have not forgotten us and have made possible the word of God to be in our hands to declare that good news to others. So their expression of thanks will continue. And you're part of what they see as this collection, connection of congregations in the covenant that has somehow God has put us together heart to heart for the purposes of his kingdom extending to the ends of the earth. So this is what happens when we give. We, we, there's thanksgiving to God, there's praise and worship of God, and there's this prayer, this connection that people have towards us, people that we may not ever meet, people that we may don't even know will, will pray for us and thank God for the wonderful ways he's provided for their needs. This is the benefit, this is the, the rich result of generosity. It didn't just happen in, in Congo, it didn't just happen in Sudan, it didn't just happen in Kenya. We also uh, were in in Haiti. Now, I just want to, as Kurt's up here, I just want to remind you of what happened with, with Dan. Now, Dan, we were going to Skype Dan in. He was in, in Haiti with some Haiti, Haitian refugees. We we're going to try to Skype him in, but we weren't able to, to do that. But if you remember, we sent over 275,000 meals to, to Haiti. And these boxes of food represent, you know, uh, the food that we sent out. And I uh, just want to let you know that the food arrived and that the children are eating and, and, and families are staying together. And people are thanking God for your generosity. They're eating a meal. And as they eat that meal, like we're going to eat lunch or dinner, they're thanking God for God's provision. And it's all because of your generosity. Because you cared, because you heard, because you gave. And that's the result of our giving. That's what happens when we give. People thank God. People praise God. We, we, we were able to give and people responded. And now they are, they're eating the food that we gave. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astounding? That's the church at work in the world. 
I do have one more special guest here. He's going to come all the way to us from Lesotho. Can I just say sure. one more sentence? Yes. In, in, in the eighth chapter of Second Corinthians that you've been studying, it talks about the church in Macedonia that out of their extreme poverty they gave. And I just want to say another result of generosity is you release generosity in others. Absolutely. And what I see in Sudan and in Congo is people giving because they've been given to. Yeah, you are blessed and you can't help but be a blessing. That's right. And so there's, let's give it up for Kurt. We have, we have a wonderful partnership. <laughs> we have a wonderful partnership with our covenant denomination. You know, I love the phrase, we're in it together. And one of the things I love about that phrase is that we can do more together than we could apart. And that's the beautiful thing about being a part of a denomination is that we can do these things around the world. But we have one more very special guest. Uh, he, he comes to us all the way from Lesotho via some of the highest technology uh, right here at Maple Grove Covenant Church. Through some Skype technology, we are going to talk to Tom Berg. Now, hopefully there he is. Tom Berg comes to us. Let's, let's give him a round of applause. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good. And uh, what time is it there in Lesotho? It is 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So what, what did you have for, uh, for dinner tonight, Tom? I, as of now, I had popcorn. Popcorn? Don't tell your mother. So how are things going there for you? You've been there for a couple of months. Tell us, how are you doing? It's been fun. I've been here for two months, and I've been working on a lot. Cool. So, um, are you staying healthy? Yeah, mostly. Found a nice little bug last week. All right, great. How can we pray for you as you are in Lesotho uh, doing some soil work and, and working on computers? How can we pray for you? Patience, mostly for teaching. when I'm teaching people both the computers and teaching them how to work these experiments that I'm helping to plan out. All right, we'll pray for patience for you as you're, you're serving. And we're going to watch a video that you created for us to see your work. Would you like to say anything us as you have about a couple, 300 people here um, at Maple Grove Covenant Church? Would you like to say anything to us as, uh, right before the video? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is by Isaac Newton. He said, if I can see further than before, it is because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Two of those giants are sitting among you now, and the rest of you are all giants as well. Thank you very much, Maple Grove, for supporting me. Your generosity causes others to be thankful. Have a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Let's give a round of applause to Tom. And let's watch the video. Southern Africa. Thank you very much for your support and prayers as I go on this journey. I'm here at a training facility in a remote village of Lesotho that's run by an organization known as Growing Nations, which is affiliated with Africa Inland Mission, the original mission agency that sent me here. This place is 
a bastion for what's known as conservation agriculture, a method that growing nations is trying to spread. This method is far better than the current agricultural practices that are going around, on around here, which usually consists of single farmers and hoes, very, very, very little machinery. And right now, the methods are absolutely destroying soil fertility and even eroding the soil far beyond even what I've seen in pictures. It's pretty bad. My role here at the facility has been in computer training and in layouts. And more the layouts later. The computer training. I teach people very, very basic stuff about Word, Excel, and PowerPoint for people that do have computers and then for the people that do work here too. I also teach pastors from all over Lesotho that come here for training. I teach them the basics of other programs as well. I also get to play a little bit of a scientific missionary, which I, I absolutely love. Right now, we are working with the University of Tennessee, so I have been talking to and collaborating with University of Tennessee researchers that have fields here. I am laying out, well, I'm helping them lay out experiments to see which, say, which kinds of seeds are better, which kinds of fertilizers are better, which kind of spacings are better for this specific area. I'm trying to see how can we make conservation agriculture more, say, palatable to the area by showing them with science how can this work better. So this has been quite fun. The last two months have been pretty hectic and the next six months don't look much different. Should be fun. Alright, here's a few of my coworkers saying thank you very much and have a happy Thanksgiving. Alright, it's going. Okay, I just wanted to say uh, we really have problems with Tom. He, he's made himself completely indispensable, so we don't know what we'll do when he's gone. Uh, no, Tom has done a great job to help us. Uh, thank you for supporting him. Uh, he's really been a great help with the computer training and on the field. So uh, thanks for sending Tom out to us. Bye-bye. My name is Joshua, and uh, I'm working with Tom. It's so amazing how the energy has got all these people running up and down. And sometimes you can even hit him. You can be very careful about him. But anyway, we are very blessed to have Tom around us here and he's helping us a lot as far as computers and uh, electricity is concerned. It's lovely to have him here. And we, we are looking forward to maybe we can even for, for the rest of our lives here at the Growing Nations then. Keep it up. Thank you very much for letting Tom to be here and supporting him. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, my name is Cameron Masesha and uh, I'm very happy to have Tom with us right here. He is a very good guy and always in a hurry, doing work quickly. But he's easily frustrated when things are not going very well. He's someone who can be so frustrated, but anyway, he's a very good guy and he's helping us a lot in the layout of the fields there for our experimentations. Also, he's a person who's helping us because he has studied something that we, we don't know. So, his experience in other things is very helpful to us because he's giving and sharing his information with us. And I'm very glad to have this kind of a person here. Thanks. That's what happens when we give. People receive Bibles, people receive food, people receive water, people receive training on computers or understanding of their soil. People give thanks to God, people pray for us, and they worship God. And it's not just them, we worship God. Our hearts are stirred. We stand in awe of God and His grace given to us. I love the way Paul writes these last words in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15. He says this, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift.
That's the way he ends this letter, this, this part of his letter. He says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. We know what that gift is. It's his son. It's his one and only son. The son of God that left the glories and riches of heaven to come down to earth to be born in a barn and live among us. The son of God that left communion with his heavenly father to die on a cross in our place. The son of God that, that left dominion over the universe to go to hell in our place so that we might have a relationship with him. It's this indescribable gift. See, see we give our money and we give our food and, and we give our time. We give our shoes. And, 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 and that's good and that's great. And it's all in response to God giving us his son. His indescribable gift. His one and only son. He paid the ultimate price so that we could be like him and be generous with our time and our resources and in our love for others. So what better way to end this series than to thank him on this Thanksgiving weekend for the indescribable gift of Jesus Christ, the the one that paid our price, that one that came for us, and the one that enables us to give freely to others. See, it's the gospel. It's the gospel message that sets us free. It's the gospel message that makes us people of generosity. And it's this gospel that we thank God for this morning. So let's just stand and close our time in song as we spend some moments in worship. So what are the results of our giving? Worship, praise, thanksgiving, not only here, but around the world. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may you experience the joy of giving. In Jesus' name, God bless you.